I'm really glad you're with us today, and I hope you're doing very well. People who live in a country they weren't born and raised in tend to congregate together in the current country they moved to. Uh, immigrants, in fact, create areas of town that are much like their home country. You see this in Little Tokyo. You see it in Olivera Street across from Union Station. Little Saigon in Westminster looks a lot like the real Saigon or the regular Saigon. Um, and I think one reason people do this, it makes perfect sense to me, is that they long for the familiar. They long for familiar taste. So you see food establishments in those areas that reflect the, the food of their home country. And I'll, I'll admit, I've had a comfort Big Mac sometimes in other countries just because I wanted something familiar to eat. Um, the, the people in these areas, they have familiar language they speak, familiar cadence to their speaking, even the same accent as you're speaking in other languages, reassuring, I'm sure, familiar habits, patterns of living, customs, and a calendar that you live based on. This is a picture of what the Lord wants the church to become. He wants it to be that for us. He intends the church to become our home. And it should be a place where we experience the familiar in terms of patterns of living and customs and how we talk and what we talk about. This is God's intent. This is what he wants it to be. He wants it to be a place where we get familiar with the ways of heaven and we begin to experience them right here and now. The Greek word used for church in the New Testament, it was first used by Jesus, and it is ekklesia, which means a body of citizens gathered to discuss the affairs of the state. So in the church, the idea is that we're called out of the world to be a group of people who discuss the affairs of the kingdom as God's people. And in our church community, there should be distinctives that tie to the ways of heaven, to God's kingdom. The atmosphere we create, the way we relate, it is to be recognizable by the people who come around it and by the people who are in it. Recognizable in our love for God and the people that he brings across our path. This is who we are as a church body. This is who God made us to be. When we become a Christ follower, the Lord begins to shape our hearts to be more and more like his, to care about the things he cares about, to love him and to love the people around us. And he does this through our worship, through our service, through our fellowship with other Christians, and through our training as we grow in being more and more like him as we understand more of scripture and we begin to live it out. All of this is designed to take place in the church community. This is God's design. We become familiar with the ways of the kingdom 
as we live them out in church. Just like, uh, you know, we people do in Little Saigon or Chinatown or Little Tokyo. Just like those places are to the folks who moved here from another country, the church is to be that kind of place where we experience the familiar, where we become familiar with the ways of God, and we experience them inside the church body. This is why it's so important to be immersed in the church community. If we isolate ourselves from the church community, then we quickly default to the ways of the world. And that's one of the concerns for people congregating. They don't they don't want their kids and the future generations to lose the sense of heritage that they have. And that's the same the same thing that God intends for the church for sure. So it's important to develop a love for the com- church community itself. God wants us to love it and have a strong affection for it. Like people from other countries have concentrated here in L.A. area, Christians need to gather and be the called out church community that God's designed us to be. The church community is designed to be a place where we can learn heaven's ways and keep going back to them once we have become familiar with them. In other words, the church is a kingdom colony. We live right now knowing what's in store for us in the future and the next life. Philippians 3.20 says, we looked at this last week, but it says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. For those of us who have given our life to Christ, we have been transferred from one kingdom to another. I talked about this last week. From the kingdom of this world to the kingdom of heaven, which is God's kingdom. One day, the kingdom of heaven will dominate when Christ returns, but it's already invaded our world through Christ's work on the cross and through his resurrection. And the benefits of God's kingdom are being experienced by Christ followers today, and they're found inside the church community. This is where you experience the benefits. This is one reason I love the church, and I hope you do too. Or I hope that you grow to love it like I do. Here's a definition of the word citizenship in this passage, Philippians 3.20, that helps us understand the full meaning of this verse. It's from George Eldon Ladd's A Theology of the New Testament. Here it is, citizenship. The word polituma, which is the the Greek word used for citizenship here, designates a colony of foreigners whose organization reflects their native homeland. Sounds like the colonies that grow up in, in L.A. and other places. We have our own home in heaven and are here on earth as a colony of citizens of heaven. The life and fellowship of Christians in history is to be a foretaste of life in the kingdom of God. We make it our aim, in other words, to treat each other right here and now in a way that aligns with the way that we're going to treat each other in heaven. 
that's the idea here. It has that taste and feel to it. It's that's the same atmosphere that we experience. You know, it's true that people here on this planet, including Christ followers, are not as kind as the people who are, you know, in heaven. Uh, and they're not as kind as we're going to be when they we get there. So we must love people wisely. But still, we love them. We love them first. We take the initiative to treat others rightly even before we're treated rightly. We don't wait. We don't play that game. We we take the initiative to to handle difficult situations and relationships in a way that honors God and reflects the ways of heaven. Lad's definition of citizenship continues. The life and fellowship of Christians in history is to reflect in the world something of what the eschatological reality will be. Eschatology is a study of the end times when the Lord is going to wrap up history. That's what it means. This is We're to reflect right now what it's going to be like when heaven dominates. That's our goal in the church. People should be able to look at us and how we deal with each other, how we treat each other, and see more than American ways. They should see the very ways of heaven. This is what God wants the church to be. We don't do that perfectly. We're imperfect, but we do it in an authentic way. We set out to do this. This is our calling. As a kingdom colony, we are a holy people group. 1 Peter 2.9 says, and we looked at this last week as well, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We looked at how the word for race here in this passage is the word ethne, which literally means ethnic group. And in reality, the church becomes a spiritual ethnic group that trumps all of our other backgrounds. Our, our ethnic background uh, biologically is important, but it's just not the most important. The spiritual reality of being this new race trumps the biological. We're a holy nation, it says. God has formed us into a new nation. This is his intent, which is a socio-political community. Our spiritual nation of Christ followers is not a democracy. It is a monarchy. Christ is our king. And in this nation, we serve him alone. He's the one we give our allegiance to. We are holy, which means we are set apart. We're called out, ecclesia, we're called out of the world to be this new race, this holy nation, and we're set apart, we're holy, which means to be used, set apart for God's purpose. Practically, this means we're not afraid to be peculiar. <laughs> People are going to think we're weird. That's okay. Here's, here's an example. Sam Conrud, player on the San Francisco Giants, stood during a display of allegiance to the Black Lives Matter organization saying, I can't kneel before anything besides God. 
And he stated that he had read the purpose of the Black Lives Matter organization on their website, and it reveals that they have anti-Christian and anti-family goals. Another player in the NBA, Jonathan Isaac, is a player for the Orlando Magic. He stood during the national anthem when everybody else was kneeling. And here's the explanation that he gave. I don't think that kneeling or putting on a t-shirt, for me personally, is the answer. I feel like, for me, black lives are supported through the gospel. All lives are supported through the gospel. We all have things that we do wrong. What a, what a great statement for a Christ follower to make. Isaac is saying what I said in the first week of the series. God has already provided the solution and he's working his plan through the church to accomplish his solution. He's offered the solution to the world's problems through Jesus Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection to prove his power. He works through the church to redeem and reconcile and unite all things under his rule. And so every Christ-following, God-fearing person knows that the lives of black men and women really matter to God. They, they are important to him, to the God who made them, as all lives are. And therefore, people really matter. We know this. We believe this with all our being. But what you see here is right now examples of Christ followers who do what Christ followers do. We swim against the current, the current of culture. We swim opposite. We're not afraid to stand up for what we believe. And we shouldn't be surprised when we're alone or in the minority. Only a few people in two professional sports leagues stood during those, those expressions of unity, as far as I know. We also bow only to our King, Jesus Christ, and we give him our allegiance. We're commanded to voluntarily submit to govern, government leaders, uh, to cooperate with them, and to make life as easy on them as we can. But when we're forced to make a choice of being loyal to Christ, our King, by doing what he commanded us to do, or go with the flow of culture, or obey a government mandate that violates one of God's commands that he's given us to do, we choose allegiance to our King. We follow him alone, and this is peculiar it stands out. But those who want to know God, as they watch us, as they watch what we're doing and the choices we're making, it shows the genuine way forward to experience the real, authentic life that God gives his Christ followers. This is so important for us to understand. So what this does is, it leaves us in a position where sometimes we're thought to be peculiar or another word is weird. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's where it leaves us. And we're aliens and strangers in this world. We're immigrants from heaven. 
First Peter 2, 11 and 12 says, Be, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against your soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Since we are so easily misunderstood by those who don't follow Christ, we must be careful to operate by God's ways, by the very ways of heaven. As this passage says, when we're slandered because of our actions that aren't understood, they don't make sense to the people around us, we should live in such a loving way to do the good deeds God has planned for us to do that people are drawn, unbelievers are drawn to the Lord that we love by expressing our love for him in the good deeds that we do. We are a kingdom colony who operates by heaven's ways. And here are some distinctives of the way that we operate in church life from scripture. I'm, I'm going to do some comparisons between uh, the world at large, the kingdom of this world, and the kingdom colony in which we live. First of all, we truth in love. Ephesians 4, 15 and 25 say this, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. In the church, we build an atmosphere of love. We speak the truth. We live the truth. We think the truth. We say the truth. We do the truth in an atmosphere of love. And so that's one of the distinctives of the kingdom colony. That's what we need to get familiar with. And it takes, you know, some, some work and growth to, to do better at that. We never arrive in this life until we get to heaven, then we'll live completely by heaven's ways. But until then, uh, we, we just try to grow toward those ideals. Here's a chart that Harold Bullock put together of what this means practically. In the world at large, the kingdom of this world, people tend to trim the truth to suit the powerful, utilize deceit for advantage, use truth to damage people. In the kingdom colony, we don't compromise God's word to satisfy society. We don't. You see that in the men that stood. We don't lie. Or deal falsely with each other. We speak and do the truth in love. In the kingdom colony, we also practice reciprocity. In Acts 2.42, you can read a description of how the members of the first church related to each other. They were known by one another. They served one another. They gave uh, out of their abundance to those who weren't in such an abundant state. 
And they went out of their way, in other words, to bless each other. And this is what we're called to do. We practice reciprocity. We, we know and we're known. We serve and we're served. We bless and we bless. We give and we receive. And so back to Harold's chart, you see in the world at large, the kingdom of this world, people tend to look out for themselves they are glad when blessing comes. I mean, that makes sense. I'm glad when blessing comes. They keep blessings for themselves. They get as much as there is possible. And they may or may not send thank you notes. In the kingdom colony, we look to others' interests. That's, that's one of the things we do. We, we love them by looking to their interests. God blesses us, so we return gratitude to God. We give back to God. We pay it forward to others. And more than thank you notes, we return blessing to those who bless us. Operating by heaven's ways also means that we strive for unity and peace. This goal lines up with God's cosmic plan that I've been talking about in the last couple of weeks. His plan, he's working his plan and he's doing the plan to fix the world's problems, and we're a part of that plan. His plan is ultimately to unite all things under his rule, things in heaven and things on earth. And the church is the agent of his cosmic plan. So that means we get to be a part of the massive thing that God is doing in the cosmos. And this means that we need to create a colony that gives people in it and those who come around it a taste of heaven. And so we strive for the unity that is going to exist in heaven. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, Live in a way that is worthy of the people God has chosen to be his own. Always be humble and gentle. Patiently put up with each other and love each other. Try to try your best to let God's Spirit keep your hearts united. Do this by living at peace. The Holy Spirit creates unity in the church. And our goal as a part of God's cosmic plan, using the church as his agent through which he is working his plan, we work hard to preserve the unity because that's God's end goal. Unite all things under his rule. Look again at Harold's chart. In the world at large, the kingdom of this world, people tend to love get, getting their way, avoid the risk of feedback. They don't want to know what other people think. It's a little scary. They have lower leader standards. They just focus on part of the qualities that make a good leader. They form power coalitions. They acquiesce openly, uh, which means to, to go along with maybe a, a direction. But as we do that, everybody knows we don't really agree with that direction. And people tend to undermine quietly. In the kingdom colony, we treasure unity and peace and we strive for it. We give and receive valid scriptural correction. We have higher leader standards that are focused on character 
and integrity. We intelligently follow leaders. We defer to the church's best. We, we submit our individual preferences to what's best for the church. And we deal with underminers, those who are trying to disrupt and divide the church body. A final way that we live out heaven's ways in the church is we use heaven's wisdom to guide us. James 3, 17 through 18 describes heaven's wisdom this way. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Those are the characteristics that Christ followers should use, that we strive to use as we conduct church life, family life, as we relate to co-workers, as we relate to neighbors and any anyone else. They are the marks of wise choices and decisions. So this is this is our goal in the way that we proceed and the way that we live life. In James 3, 14 through 16, these marks of wise choices and decisions are contrasted with earthly, unspiritual, and demonic ways. And I'm not going to take the time to walk through this whole passage, but I encourage you to read it through this week and let God speak to you through it. It's, it's an important thing to understand how to approach life, and what are the marks of good choices and decisions. God has formed the church to be a colony of heaven, God's kingdom colony. It's a great thing to be a part of. He wants people who, are, who come around our church community to taste the refreshment that comes from following God in faith, from walking with the Lord Jesus in faith. The unity that he, he creates among people from every race, tribe, and nation to form a holy nation, a spiritual nation, is a testimony to the world that God is working through us to unite all things under his rule. And there's an attraction to that. It's like a magnet that pulls people in if they're paying attention. This is the solution to the world's trouble. This is what God intends through the church. Our homeland is in heaven if we become a follower of Christ. And for serious Christ followers, the church is our people with whom we strongly identify. This is, this is what God wants. Here's a song on my playlist that talks about the singer who walked away from church and then he was drawn back to it because of his experience in it. Let's listen to this together. There was a time that I swore I would never go back I was blind to the truth, didn't know what I had I was running, I was searching But every place I turned for healing Left me more broken than the last Take me back To the place that feels like home To the people I can depend on 
stuff or what i mean that that's got a great beat he's got a great voice but it really expresses why i love the church i mean there are people who overlook my selfishness there are people who are gracious to me they cut me slack there's truth inside of it the preacher and the verse you know you hey that's what i am i guess (laughs) hadn't thought of that but This is why God formed the church. God formed the church so that it would be a home for his followers who are people of heaven. We follow Jesus as Lord and he's taking us there and we work to reflect what it's going to be like in heaven. Just to give people a taste. We're not perfect. We don't do it totally. But... That's our calling. We're called out of the world to do this very thing. Through the church community, then, we show the world how great heaven will be as we operate right in the here and now by heaven's ways, by truthing and love, by practicing reciprocity, by striving for unity and peace, by using heaven's wisdom in the church and in our individual lives as we live them out. I want to encourage you to take a next step today to make these ways of heaven more of a reality in your life. Here are some next steps I want to encourage. My next step today is to be someone who operates by heaven's ways. Circle one of these that God may have spoken to you about. To be someone who truths and love, practices reciprocity, strives for unity, uses heaven's wisdom. How has God spoken to you through this message, through the passages we looked at? Take a step of obedience to follow him that he's shown you to take. And then another step could be commit to the church community so that you can get familiar with God's ways or so that you can be a part of creating a a church community who reflects the very ways of heaven. Would you think about that and step into it if God is leading you to do that today? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this incredible thing that you've created called the church. You instituted it, Lord Jesus. You you created it and you called it out. You called us out of the world to be your church. And I pray that, God, you would help us, those of us who are following you, help us, God, to to do what you've called us to do, to be who you've made us to be. The reason you formed the church, may we may we fulfill that purpose as you lead us, God. Help us to have the strength to take the steps that you've laid on our heart to take today. And may you be honored and glorified. And may others be drawn to know you through our our work in the church. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.